Hi, I'm George A. Milton, America's Third Coach. Welcome to the Failure is Not the Problem podcast. Listen, you, as well as I do, know that failure is a problem for most people. Why is that? In a single word, conditioning. Conditioning is simply training. You have been taught that failure has to be negative. I am here as your personal coach to help you relearn how to accept your failures and turn those experiences into positive mindset change and success. Look, motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good. That's not what's going to keep us going. That's not what's going to change your life. And that's not what's going to move the new in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is balance, not success alone. You have to develop a healthy balance between success and failure. It does not have to be one or the other. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you are really going to thrive and that's when you will finally live a whole life. I will help you recondition your mindset by exchanging ideas and strategies to guide you in making transformations so that you can thrive and live. And most of all, I'm going to give you something every single episode which you can utilize to create a change in your life. Failure is about learning how to embrace your challenges and take 100% responsibility for your life. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to the Failure is Not the Problem podcast. Here we go again, folks, here with Failure is Not the Problem podcast. Today is a very special day. I want to make sure that I make mention to the September 11th memorial. Today is not lost on myself nor on my guests today. We have both actually served in uniform. I cannot believe it's been 22 years. It's just, wow, how time actually flies. So my guest today, very fitting to actually have the Zoom online today. So let's go ahead and get started. Do you want to elevate your perspective with failure so you can change your mindset to accept failure as positive experiences rather than negative expectations? When you fail, it's not the end, but the ultimate beginning. At my company, Failure is Not the Problem, LLC, our philosophy is this. Failure fuels innovation, resilience, and growth. Learn how to embrace your setbacks as stepping stones to success. Learn, adapt, and triumph with the wisdom of failure by your side. Join us in rewriting the story of success, where failure is the launch pad for greatness. How can we make failure okay to talk about while making it fun and failure-tastic? Well, here's one way. is You need to laugh and learn when you fail. Don't always take your failures so seriously. Allow your failures to educate you on your next step of your journey. Most of us know what fun is, but what is a failure-tastic moment? You know, I created that word and had it trademarked. A failure-tastic moment is when you go out and you try to accomplish a goal or become successful while pursuing an endeavor, but you face failure after failure after failure. Like when I was trying to become an Army officer, it literally took me several years to actually get commissioned you know, from an enlisted guy. Well, instead of quitting, I never gave up. And because I did not give up, I accomplished that goal and more because of the lessons I learned along the way. Accomplishing such a goal or dream, you know, most would say, man, that's fantastic. No, that was a failure-tastic moment. Let's say your organization that you work for and your mission is to advance a sustainable economic growth and financial opportunity across the globe. You know, those services are delivered, you know, by your teams working across multiple functions. They're providing investment, you know, management solutions across all major assets and classes of a diverse institutional and individual client. 
Well, let's say you and your teams are the absolute best at providing those services. The industry standard, as a matter of fact, right? What are your chances of failing? Well, anyone who knows what it's like to lead know the answer to that question. 100%. Here's what I know for sure. Failure has happened. Failure is going to happen. And failure might be happening at this moment in any organization that you're in. But when you fail, remember, issue is not the failure, but it's how you respond to those failures. And it's also how the response to the team, on the team, and within that organization. Hello, everyone. I am your host, George A. Milton, America's Failure Coach. I want to introduce you to an amazing leader, one in which I highly, highly, highly respect. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, he and I have actually both served in uniform, so I'll let him do a little bit and show for himself. But hello, sir. How are you doing today? Hi, George. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on today. It's great to see you and be a part of your program this morning. Golly, General Chase. I, I cannot believe that I'm looking at you. I just cannot believe that I have you on this day. You, I mean, literally a pivotal leader within the confines of not only the things that we did at UConn. And, you know, when you were serving there and I, alongside you, along with the rest of the command, there were a few of the leaders, in fact, a couple of you guys, to be quite honest, that I always tried to emulate. That was you for sure as one of those. And I'm just really honored to, to have you here as a part of this show today. So could you tell the audience a bit about your background and what you're doing right now to impact the planet? Yeah. So thanks, George. I appreciate that. And likewise, I learned quite a bit from your leadership example and the culture that you created with your team. And it's really an honor to be with you today. So team, my name is Welton Chase. I spent 30 years in the U.S. Army. And uh, my last job, I was a commanding general of Southern Signal Command, which was one of the largest theater signal commands in the Army. And I was privileged to serve the men and women of that command. And I say serve very intentionally because I believe as you become a leader, your number one job is to serve the people that you're entrusted to take care of. And so I learned that as a young leader early on. And again, I think you, there's a lot of things out there when you talk about military leadership that people have images of. But one they really don't often take away is that leadership is really a responsibility to serve and take care of the people that are entrusted to you. So I'm excited about being on this podcast today with you and looking forward to the questions. Oh, outstanding, sir. Thank you for that background. And I, too, concur with everything you just said. You know, leadership is tremendously important, especially in the 21st century and the way in which not only we go about our duties within the confines of the United States military. I mean, I have a son right now, Jacob, who's stationed at Fairbanks, Alaska, Fort Wainwright. He's on active duty, doing some great stuff. I also have a daughter, Elizabeth. She and her husband are both serving in Fort Bliss, Texas, and their older sister, she and her husband, uh, former Air Force personnel. So we buy wholeheartedly, not only into the military force, but also the leadership piece. Sir. So, you know, this thing about the service to our nation is a family tradition for us. So well, thank you for actually mentioning that. All right. So let's start off this way. So most folks know, you know, who follow this show is that we really try to focus on looking at failure in a positive perspective. Like I always sort of like to talk about failure being uh, positive experiences as opposed to negative expectations in terms of how we've actually been taught about that specific word. So can you share a specific instance where you faced a significant setback or failure and how you initially reacted to it? I can, actually. I've got a, a story to tell you along with that. So, you know, early on, everyone wants to do everything perfect. And you always want to be the best. But sometimes things happen that are outside of your control. And it's how you respond to that. 
And so whether it's being on time with a project or whether it's leading a team to be successful, you know, we always talk in the military, the enemy gets a vote, right? Your plan is great until it meets contact with the enemy. Or as I've often heard it say, your plan is great until you get punched in the face. Then what do you do, right? It's how you react. And I'll tell you a really great story I heard about this. So I was an aide-de-camp at a U.S. Strategic Command working for one of our four-star commanders. And we had just watched the Blue Angels do an incredible performance over Omaha, Nebraska. And so we got a chance to go in with the team afterwards, after the performance, and sit down with them during the debrief. And I was shocked as a young Army officer listening to them talk because the senior commander of the Blue Angels sat down. And as they went around the room, he started off with, listen, team, you know, when I took off, I was a little bit too fast. I was three knots above airspeed, and I didn't hold my formation tight. And he started to outline in detail all the mistakes that he had just made in that performance. Now, George, to you and I, watching that performance, it was it was unbelievable. Like, he, I couldn't tell that they had made those minor mistakes. But his culture in that space with his team was, here's what I did wrong, acknowledging it as a leader. And then every person within that flight did the same. And at the end, I asked him, why do you guys do this? And he said, that's how we get better. We acknowledge the things that we fail at or things that we made mistakes in. And even though you'll never see those things, we do. That makes us good as a team. It makes us honest as a team to be able to share when things are going well and more importantly, when they're not going well. But we have a culture and a way to deal with that. And so I walked out of that thinking, man, I learned something from the Navy as a young Army officer that I've always kept in my kit bag of leadership. Golly, so that's an amazing story. A couple of things popped out, but one for sure is the word culture. One of the things that we've been taught in specifically in our culture as it relates to leadership you know, concerning failure is that we have made it to where it's almost impossibly okay to fail. And what we've really got to do and what I love about the Army, I can tell you, being a private in the Army, all the way through transitioning from that to becoming an NCO, transitioning from that to becoming an officer, the Army always made it okay for me to fail as long as I was learning. As long as I wasn't getting someone hurt, killed along the way, and as long as that I didn't fail intentionally. One of the things I want to try to figure out is how to get everybody to understand that when it comes to our cultures and it comes to failure, we need to make it safe and okay to fail. Because as you just said, sir, that's exactly how we go about getting better. So in the organization where you find yourself now, I mean, what are your thoughts concerning making failure okay to fail? Yeah, so let's be clear, you know, leadership is the ability to influence someone to do something by giving them purpose, direction, and motivation, right? I mean, that's almost a textbook definition of what the Army talks about leadership. Uh, but it's within that motivation aspect, right? There's positive motivation, there's negative motivation. I think that's an important pillar. So in the organization that I'm in now is we don't underwrite failure overall. We don't say, hey, failure's okay. What we say is, what did you learn from failure? And how's that going to make you better, Right. You know, at the end of the day, when people fail, it's, okay, what was it that you failed at? What did you learn from that? How is that going to make you better? Because ultimately, that failure will make them better to achieve the overall success that you want them to succeed at. So you don't want your people to fail at the big things in life, right? Although that may happen. But if you create a culture where they can learn and grow and create that environment and understand that in learning and growing, there is some failure. Because that failure is where you learn, hey, I didn't do it this way. I probably should have done it that way. Now I know how to do it. And I love what you talked about, the Army experience, right? So we give people task condition standard. Here's what you have to do under these conditions, but here's the standard. And if you don't achieve the standard, 
we go back and we retrain and then we get you to achieve the standard. And it's in that environment that you learn it's okay to continue to try until you master it. And then as you master those tasks, you can get onto the bigger thing. And what I found is that as you start with those little things and you learn and grow and create that environment, very seldom do you see people failing at the big things. Oh, sir. Well said. Well said. I uh, concur on all. You know, when you were speaking out, you thought about this story I heard about when the transistor radio was actually being uh, developed. And I know you're a comms guy yourself. and can appreciate this, but transistor radio was being developed. And obviously during that time, that was, you know, technology at its best. And the team from IDA and also Texas Instruments had come up with this plan of attack to go and create this new technology in terms of the transistor radio so they can put all the airwaves, folks could be listening to stories and all of that. But I want to give you a quick piece of this, but what was actually taking place is that the scientists who were there and was working on this project one of the leaders, when he was interviewed, they said, well, how did you you know, get from where you were to the point of where you had actually brought this technology into being? And he said something that was really interesting to me. And he says that, you know, during the time in which the transistor radio has been developed, we had all these really, really smart people that came in and they were working on this. And he said that we automatically knew that there were going to be challenges. So therefore, we automatically knew that they weren't going to always get everything right the first time. So what was pivotal for me it's when he said that, you know, what was really important is that when they failed, we did not penalize them. And I just thought that was just magical for me in terms of what I'm trying to do and the message that we're trying to get across. So I would definitely concur with everything you said, as long as you're getting better, creating the tools or resources and developing the people that we need to be able to move forward to get them better. Were there any unexpected opportunities that arose from that failure that you spoke of sort of leading to a positive outcome that might not have happened otherwise? Well, I think any leader will tell you that in their failures, they've grown and learned. And if you ask the question why, it gets to the heart of what you're talking about in that transistor radio story, right? It's innovation. Because when you fail to achieve something, you have to figure out a different way. And when you figure out a different way, sometimes you look at the problem through a set of lens that will only allow you to achieve so much success. But it isn't until you hit that wall, right? And we call that wall failure, that you step back sometimes and do what my first platoon sergeant used to tell me. Say, you know, you're looking at the world through the globe this way. Step back, spin the globe a little bit. Now look at it. And when you turn that problem around and start looking at it through different lenses or different views or perspectives, that's when you can see other possibilities. And so if you don't ever fail or hit that roadblock, there's no reason for you to go back and look at a different perspective. But when you do, that perspective gives you an insight to innovation that you would never have if you hadn't run into that wall. So I think any successful leader would tell you that, yes, they run into many walls. And it's when they run into those walls, they step back and get better. And sometimes that's running into a wall personally where you lead. And sometimes that's just watching other leaders do things that you go, ooh, I would never do that. Or I'm never going to do that when I get to be in charge. So one of the things I share with young people is you see a lot of leadership examples today. Learn from the good ones, learn from the bad ones too. And you know the difference is this, when you're actually in that leadership role and that pressure and stress is on top of you, you may think you're gonna act a certain way based on what you're seeing in your kit bag as a young person in career, but it's a different perspective when you have that pressure on you. Don't just discount that. Your bosses today have a lot of pressure on them, regardless of the industry they're in. And you have to respect that. And you have to hope that when you're in that role, that you're going to pull those positive leadership examples out and implement them. If not, you're going to fail. And if you fail, you'll learn that. Hey, you know what? 
I can lead differently in an environment where there's a lot of pressure or maybe some things I'm not prepared to deal with. And learning those specifics and facts will help you actually get better as a leader. So I think failure is really central to making great leaders. And some of your very, very best leaders have failed at a lot of things, although they may never tell you that. I think the ones that you get close to with proximity will tell you, hey, here's what I really failed to do well. Um, and why you see me now as such a great leader is because I learned from those things. Golly, so that is powerful. That is, oh, wow, you got me ready to go fight a war. I mean, that is absolutely just fantastic. And these are the kinds of stories that our troops need to hear. These are the kinds of stories that folks within any industry that you just mentioned need to hear. And you took me back a bit as you were speaking, because what rose to my mind was the reason I even started talking about all this failure stuff to begin with was because of my experience in basic training. I had been reasonably successful, but tons of failures, tons of failures long before then. I thought I'd be a professional football player, to be quite honest. You know, I went to college on the football scholarship and all of that and got there and everybody wanted to be a professional football player and ultimately ended up failing out and ended up in the Army. And I was at the weapons qualification range and was trying to zero my weapon and I went out and uh, boloed twice. And I go back to the barracks at night and the platoon sergeant comes over and says, hey, look, Private, what's your problem here? Why are you moping around? And I explained about all this failure. And he said something then that resonated with me to this current day. And he says, look, Private, failure is not the problem. It's how you respond to that. So I totally concur with what you say, sir. And when he said that, it literally transformed the way in which I view failure. As you mentioned a moment ago, those folks who are wildly successful in any industry, being honest, and some of the people I've talked to said they've learned way more from their failures than they ever did from their successes. They said that the difference was is that they learned how to embrace those failures, to gain knowledge and to gain wisdom and to get better and to become stronger in those kind of things. Yeah, George. And I think, too, really something for your listeners to hear, right, in that when you fail, too, you recognize nobody wants to fail, right? When you fail personally, you learn to have the grace to give others that latitude when they fail. I mean, nobody comes to work saying, I want to do a bad job, right? Everybody comes to work saying, hey, I want to do the best I can that day. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And when that occurs, right, you have the latitude to give and extend grace so that, you know, let's go make it right. What did you learn from that? And I think all really good leaders understand that. And they have that humility to realize that, hey, I've been there too. And let's see how we can figure out how to correct what was going wrong and make it better. And I think any young person that's come up through the ranks, and I think in the Army, they, we do this really, really well with our leadership. You know, we have that culture within the military that allows us to fail at those things. But more importantly, in an environment where we're not going to hurt somebody or hurt ourselves, and we can get better. And I think that's one of the real strengths of the military. So this is really helping me understand, as you were speaking, I was thinking about some of the meetings we actually had in your shop back at European Command. And just, I mean, such an amazing lesson you were for me. But the fact that you have the philosophies that you have concerning grace and leadership, that spoke to me very, very vividly. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting here now and I'm remembering standing in your office and talking to you about things and that sort of stuff. And just the way you led, just the way you coached, mentored and trained was very humble. Very willing to give grace in these kind of things. And that is such a powerful, powerful testimony in terms of leadership. You know, you don't always have to beat people up and beat them across the head and bullying them. In fact, that's not leadership in my view. And I just so much admire and appreciate leaders such as yourself. It made such a tremendous impact on me because it made me want to be better. And you're absolutely right. Most folks don't get up every morning and think, hey, how can I go out and fail today? How can... No, they want to be extremely successful. 
that's why it's so important to give people grace when they don't get it right the first time or the second time. As long as they're getting better in the process, I think if we do that sort of thing, we will literally change the trajectory and change really the stress that people are under when it comes to trying to achieve those company or industry or military goals along the way. Thank you so much for those words of wisdom. What about balance? How do you balance the fine line between learning from failure and not letting it define your identity or your confidence? Some people have issues with that. Yeah, I think you have to realize, you know, again, and some of this is in your faith tradition. You know, what is the value of a person? What is their worth? You know, is it embodied in their work? Is it embodied in their being? Is it embodied in the way they treat other people? And the answer is a little bit of all of that, right? But at the end of the day, you know, failure is going to happen in life. It does. And I'm actually amazed that with all the things that could go wrong, how many things actually go right? Although we will focus often on how many things go wrong. And so, you know, you just got to take it in perspective and recognize that sometimes failure is going to occur. Right. I think about and I was watching this last night. So, you know, yesterday, the New England Patriots recognized Tom Brady. Right. They recognized Tom Brady, as we call the GOAT. Right. Greatest of all time. And in recognizing Tom Brady, they acknowledged that he was the 199th draft pick. Now, think about that. Think about that for a second. The 199th draft pick. Right. Now, if you'd ask somebody, why wouldn't he number one? You know, he failed to be the first round or he failed to be. You could say a lot of failures in there. But at the end of the day, you know, his commitment to excellence was this is going to be the best draft pick you ever made. And he showed and proved that he didn't allow where he got picked to determine his outcome. Right. He let his body of work determine that. And I would tell you that, you know, when you look at all the Super Bowls that he won. Whether you like Tom Brady or not, you got to acknowledge, hey, he won those Super Bowls. He helped those teams win those Super Bowls through hard work, grit, determination. And I think when you have a failure to win, he's experienced that. I know he experienced that with the Philadelphia Eagles when they beat the Patriots, but he didn't let that determine his outcome. He came back and won another Super Bowl. So I think when you look at this, whether it's in sports or in life or in business, you cannot let what happens to you define who you are. What defines who you are goes back to what you said earlier. It's how do you respond to it? How do you take that experience and let it define what it ultimately ends up allowing your life to become? And I think if you do that, the story is much, much different. And then people look at you differently, whether it's your kids, it's your coworkers, it's your friends and your family. They look at how you handle adversity. And today we call that resilience. It's the resilience that you have to deal with things that are going on in life to overcome those things and to continue to be productive and positive. You know, and that would be my advice is, you know, always look at the positive, live above the fray and keep working hard. Because if you do those things, the outcomes are going to be better over time and you're going to continue to improve and ultimately achieve the things that you're trying to achieve. Wow. Well said. Yes, sir. I was actually watching that on yesterday. And our focus. You mentioned that word, focus. What do we focus on? Do we focus on Tom Brady being the best of the best of the best? Or do we focus on some of the controversies and these kind of things? No, man. We want to make sure that we look at it from the right perspective. And he could have not ever have become as great as he is without tons and tons and tons and tons of failure. Even though we saw it sometimes, we didn't certainly be as much as he probably thought himself as of. But it's so important to be able to focus on the right thing. And the story that I'm referring to now is that there was this college professor. He goes to the board. He writes down nine times one is nine, nine times two is 18, and so forth, all the way down to where he got down to nine times 10 is 91. And when he wrote down, you know, nine times 10 is 91, everybody laughed in the class, right? 
So he comes back from the blackboard and he says, I find it interesting that when I started writing the multiplication tables of nine, I got nine right. He says, I intentionally wrote down nine times 10 is 91. And I only got that wrong once. He says, why did you focus on the one thing that I got wrong as opposed to the nine things that I got right? So so focus is incredibly important when it comes to these kinds of things and perspective, especially when it comes to failure. I've always seen the glasses as half full or more as opposed to the opposite. So it's incredibly important to make sure that we have the right type of attitude, the right type of perspective. I always tried to teach my soldiers that, you know, your attitude will determine your altitude. So it's important to have the right attitude, especially when it comes to something along the lines of failure. That's why I've always tried to make it positive as opposed to the negative piece to that. Sir, can you discuss a time when failure made you maybe question your path or your goals and how you navigated that period of uncertainty? You know, obviously, like you, I'd like to play football in the NFL. Pretty good football player in high school, moving on to prep school, and we were playing Rutgers University. We were playing their JV squad, and I can remember distinctly, I caught a pass about eight yards downfield. I was pretty fast at that time, but I remember being caught from behind by a lineman who essentially grabbed me by the collar and just kind of threw me down on the ground like a rag doll, right? And realized very quickly that, wow, this is the JV squad, and these athletes are incredible athletes. And, uh, and I was a pretty good athlete, but it made me recognize I probably wasn't going to play professional football, you know, if, unless I intended to really bulk up and really focus on it. So I think there's a moment of time where I stepped back and said, okay, so what do I really want to do in life? You know, do I want to be a professional football player or are there other things? I'm not certain I would have ever gotten to that point of introspection to say, yeah, I still want to play football, but maybe not professionally because there's other things I can do. So I think failure is okay, but I love to go back to what you said. You know, we're all designed differently. You know, some people do see the world where the glass is half full. Some see it where it's half empty. But regardless of how you see that glass, you've got to put it in context, right? So going back to your example of, hey, you got all these timetables correct except for the last one. But when you put it in the context, you miss just one, right, out of the whole thing. And so it's being able to step back and look in context, whether that's within your life, within your professional workspace, your family, putting things in context and realizing that one failure isn't going to change the course of your life unless you allow it to, right? It's when you step back and you look at it. So like me in that football example, you know, I realized, hey, you know, that wasn't necessarily a failure. I made positive yards, but in my mind, it was like, I can't compete at this level, at this speed. I remember this lineman distinctly. I mean, he was probably 6'3", 6'4". You know, he was like 250. And I'm thinking he was probably running a 4'3", or 4'4", to catch me from behind like that. But it made me recognize the game was really, really fast and different. And in that moment, hey, things may not go the direction you want it to go, but how do I step back and put it into context? What did I learn from that? How did I use that to make me better? How did I use that to change the course of my trajectory and where I wanted to end up? And I think when you have failure in life, regardless of where it's at, it's stepping back, looking in the overall context of where you are, and then realizing sometimes that that failure is not as bad as you thought it was. And this is how I navigate and move around that failure to make whatever it is better, because I'm going to be disciplined. Now, imagine Tom Brady thinking about being picked where he got picked in the draft, and what were all the things that he needed to do specifically that he probably considered failures? Hey, I don't release the ball quick enough. Hey, I don't fill in the blanks, right? And he focused on those things 
And because he focused on those things, now people consider him the greatest of all time. You know, and I think every one of us has an example in our lives where, you know, we could look at that and say, if I put that in the context and really focus on it through hard work, grit and determination, you know, I can achieve the things I want to achieve. And I truly believe that having served in the Army, there are very few things you can't achieve in life. If you put your mind to it, you learn from the things that you aren't able to do well or the mistakes that you make and then apply yourself. You can achieve virtually anything. Golly, sir. Look, I totally concur with everything you said. I mean, two points. One is that I remember distinctively the day that I got cracked down on. In high school, I was a tight end. In college, I was a wide receiver because of the speed and stuff. And I did great in high school. I get to college, whole different level. And I remember a guy popping down on me and I thought, man, is this something that I really want to do the rest of my life? What I was trying to accomplish at that time, you know, it was failure in my view in a lot of ways. But liken unto what you said, one of the things that I often try to teach is that when you fail at something, sometimes failure can help you gain clarity. Failure can help you change direction in life and help you get from where you are to where you're supposed to be. So that is some of the things that failure has actually taught me in the same way that you thought, wait a minute, maybe there are some other options I need to consider if these kinds of things are happening. So I want the audience to remember that. That is incredibly important what you just said, is that use that failure to focus on the talents, the gifts, the skills, and abilities that God has actually given you so you can be where he wants you to be doing the kinds of things that he's commissioned you to do. So I love how you said that. Now, I mentioned earlier about some first class gate to my platoon sergeant, who was very, very pivotal in my mindset when it came to the failure and changing how I saw failure from a negative to a positive. What about yourself? Did you receive any valuable advice or support from others during your moments of failure? How did that influence your perspective if you did? Yeah, I think so. One of the early ons as a young cadet, you know, going through U.S. military county prep school, I remember we had to do pull-ups. We had to do pull-ups before you went in the chow line, right? Back then, uh, I struggled with my upper body strength. And I remember my drill sergeant saying, hey, if you couldn't do five pull-ups, you had to fall to the side and do 20 push-ups, and then you can go eat. And so you can imagine, I did quite a few push-ups before I could actually get into the chow line and uh, go eat. But my drill sergeant, I remember there at that time, was very graceful. And he said, you can do this. And these are the muscle groups you got to work on. You know, through that failure to be able to get those pull-ups done, you know, he pulled me off to the side and said, hey, here's some ways to get stronger. And I just remember the very last time that I remember seeing him. You know, we're getting close to the end of the time when the drill sergeants really released us into the prep school, going through that initial entry training. And I was able to do those pull-ups. And I can tell you, I was on cloud nine because, again, couldn't do them. Hey, come down, do push-ups. And then just having that opportunity to say, okay, what am I going to do? And then having that instruction, following that instruction, and then being able to achieve that. And that's just a small example of the many great leaders, but really the environment where leaders would, in times of failure, just help you coach you, mentor you, give you that feedback and advice. And, you know, I hear a lot of people saying they want to be mentors, but probably the best mentors you're going to have are the ones that when you do fail at something, they pull alongside you, they have empathy, they get proximate, and they give you those words that you need to hear that, one, encourage you, that you can do what you're trying to do, and then, two, that motivate you to want to be better, regardless of how you feel about yourself at that moment in time. Those are the true leaders and mentors that made a difference in my life. People who are listening to this podcast, you have them, whether they're your mother, your brother, your sister, your coworkers, friends that you have that truly tell you the hard truths, but they do so with empathy and encouragement and allow you to move ahead. Those are truly the mentors that have really helped me. 
Gosh, again, uh, you made me think of moments and times in my specifically military career where those folks, and, and we used to call it, you know, hardcore leadership and that sort of thing. And these guys and gals were in your face and doing the kind of things that were like, golly, folks on the outside looking in would think, what in the world is going on? But these were folks who really saw the best in us. And because they saw the best in us, they tried as best they could to challenge us so we could challenge ourselves so we could definitely get better. It was more motivating for me to see those kind of things than not. So let me ask a couple more questions here, and then we'll go ahead and let you go. You probably got a busy day, but I'm loving this. I could talk to you all day, Joe Chase. I just admire you so much, man. So what strategies or mindset shifts do you employ to help you bounce back and stay resilient after encountering failures? So, George, I got to tell you, on this question, for me, it's a faith question, right? This is one where I go to the Lord in prayer. You have to humble yourself and say, okay, well, what am I not getting right here? Help me to understand. Help me to grow. And again, in my faith tradition, you know, I go to my Lord and Savior and I ask for, for wisdom, for knowledge, for strength, for courage, for understanding. And then I acknowledge kind of where I am. And whatever leadership role I'm in, I'm thankful and I'm grateful and I'm humble that I don't know everything. But I do know the one who does know everything. And then I ask for that enlightenment in humility to be able to lead well. And I think that to me is probably the best answer I can give you with respect to this question and the best advice I would give. You know, I've lived probably the longest part of my life now. I'm on the other side of that shadow looking back on those early years. But I can tell you for me in life, that has absolutely been essential and true. Wow. When you said that, I remember Denzel Washington giving a speech to college graduating class. And he said a number of things because he was talking about success and what a formula was for success. And he talked about three tenets. And one of those tenets was this. He says that in order for him, and Denzel Washington's father was actually a pastor, right? So he grew up in that sort of household where by faith was incredibly important to him. And I've seen him speak many times about the importance of his faith. And during this commencement ceremony where he was speaking, he says that when it comes to success, faith is a part of the equation. I'm not really sure what your faith is, but for him, being a Christian absolutely was a key component to his success. And I think a lot of times, and I grew up in a Christian environment, and I am a Christian now, sir, so I concur. And, you know, for those folks who are not of that particular faith, that's fine. You know, you have your faith and you have your God and whom it is you worship. But I can tell you that from my foxhole, God has always watched out over me. In fact, I am convinced that the reason that I am here talking to you today about this one particular topic of failure is that it was something that I was supposed to do. And I was actually being prepared for this throughout my life and never knew it until it actually happened. And I could see this God's handiwork in all of this and that sort of thing. And that's why I'm so, so, so excited and motivated to do this because it's not about me. It's not about making a lot of money. It's just really about helping folks to understand a topic that is causing tremendous, tremendous stress within the confines of all industries on the planet, not just in our nation, but in other nations as well. So thank you for adding that faith component, because in my writings, I always try to add that element, because it's really not about me. It's about how I allow for God to actually work through me to do the kind of things I'm trying to do because of the talents, the gifts, and the skills, and the abilities he's actually given me. So I appreciate you bringing that into the mix here. What about communication here when it comes to failing and leadership and all that? How do you communicate lessons you've learned from failure to your team, your colleagues, or those who follow, or those who inspire, you want to empower? You know, George, I think this is one of the ones that's most important, right? You always think that you're a great communicator until you recognize that you play that game, right? You tell somebody something, and they tell somebody, they pass it around. By the time it gets around, it's like, what in the world? That's not what I told you. But I was going to every conversation with the understanding that I need to over-communicate. 
You've heard it said probably you got to say it seven times so people get it or nine times or 10 times. But no matter how many times you say it, being clear and concise on communication is key. And more importantly, when people don't get it, right, when something gets confused, I always go into that discussion with the person that I may have communicated with, with one of a few different thoughts on what occurred, right? See that they know more than I do or I know more than they do, or most often, and this is probably the case most often, somewhere between me and them, the communication got garbled. We would call that garbled in the military, but unreadable, understandable, or changed. And so, you know, communication is really key. It's active listening. It's, hey, play back what I just said to you. What did you hear me say? No, that's not quite what I heard you say. But I think communication is absolutely essential. It's probably one of the things that most leaders don't do very well because, you know, again, we have this view that, hey, I'm telling you to do X, Y, and Z. And in my mind, I know what X, Y, and Z looks like, right? I'm telling you a task under which conditions and the standard I want you to achieve, but I'm not articulating that to you so that in your mind's eye that you understand it. And that's where leaders can really do a good job in that discussion of, hey, here's the task. These are the conditions you're under to get that task done. And here's the standard I'm expecting you to achieve. If you're very clear on those three areas, normally, generally, almost always, you're going to see that return back to you come out well, but sometimes it won't. And when it doesn't happen, the very first thing I go in with was, hey, I didn't communicate this well to you. It's my fault. And some of the best leaders I've served with have started that way. And when they do, nine times out of 10, they find out, yes, I didn't give you everything I was thinking in my mind. I just thought that you knew what I wanted. And so having that communication, those lines of communication open, we can go back and forth is really essential. Oh, wow. That is absolutely amazing. I absolutely hope that everybody heard what you just said, reference communication. And oftentimes, as you stated, sir, when we give information, sometimes it's, yeah, we know exactly what we're thinking, but others are thinking and those kind of things are not always the same thing. I also like how, when I heard you, I said you just said, ownership. We need to take ownership of the successes, but more importantly, the failures. And when we take ownership of those failures and we teach our folks that it's okay to fail and that, look, you don't always have to be perfect. You don't always have to get it right. As long as we're getting better in the process and we're accomplishing the goals that we want, then things are going to work out just fine. Sir, look, I know it's been a bit, you've answered all of the questions in a fantastic sort of way. And I just want the audience to know, I typically don't prep for these. I just want to hear how the response, and I love the answers that you've actually given. I'm hoping that the audience understands that, you know, when it comes to failure, that's really not the problem. Please take heed, listen to everything that's actually been spoken about today. I'm going to give Julian Chase the last words before we sign off. Uh, We'll go ahead and end this session. Sir, the last parting words? I just say, create a culture and an environment with the people around you where they can fail, they can learn. Because really, when we talk about failure, it's really learning, right? If you create a culture around you in your organization where people can learn and it's okay for them to learn, what you're going to get back from your people is an incredible amount of unleashed innovation that's going to transform your business, your teams, your families. Having that opportunity and that grace really is important. And if you want to be a a really, really good leader, you create that environment. Going back to the Blue Angels discussion, you know, I couldn't tell you that the Blue Angels made mistakes that day. They looked perfect to me. But I will tell you that they got better because the leader started off by admitting the mistakes he was making. And when he created that environment, it was okay for everyone else to make an admission of the mistakes they made. And as a team, they just continued to get better. And if you ever watch them perform, you probably won't recognize the mistakes that they're making, but you can bet that in their after action briefing, they're going to talk about them because that's how they get better as a team. And the best teams, the very, very best teams have that culture 
where they can admit failure, learn from failure, and get better. And I'd recommend all of you, please do that. George, thank you for what you're doing. This calling you have is an amazing calling. I know you're touching and changing lives. And it's really been an honor and a privilege for me to join with you today on this podcast. Gosh, for us to salute you here. Thank you so much. Look, folks out there, please pay attention to what has been said today. We are honored and blessed to have Brigadier General Retired Bolton Chase here, one of the greatest leaders throughout my 36-year military career. I only want folks here that I totally, 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 totally admire and believe and understand that they can help us make the world better. There are a lot of leaders that are out there or people in positions of leadership and authority. And one of the chapters of my latest book that I talk about, the book is Failure is Not the Problem, it's your leadership. I talk about who's whispering in your ear. So incredibly important that you make sure you have the right person whispering in your ear. And General Chase, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, sir, that when we were at European Command, the impact you made from whispering in my ear is what you're seeing as a result of that today. And thank you again for the honor and the pleasure of coming on the show today. Thank you so much, sir. Have a blessed day. Thank you, George. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Failure is Not the Problem podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at georgeamilton.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the other side.